Another thing that's important here too is a lot of people have good intentions when they're doing the gimmicks. I mean, like, I think it, there's moments in the movie where you see Pastor Skip where he is about getting souls in the seats, he says. But his focus came off of the simplicity of the gospel and it's all about Jesus. And his focus was about the gimmicks because that's what's going to get him in the seats to hear about Jesus, but that sort of overtook him. Hey, welcome to episode 19 of the Preaching Donkey podcast. I am your host, Lane Sebring. It's going to be a fun episode today. I have the opportunity to interview the lead actor and the director in the upcoming film, Church People. I did a review of the trailer, which you can see here if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'll link it in the show notes. But I did a reaction video to the trailer and they actually reached out and said, hey, would you be up for interviewing the director and the lead actor of this film to talk about it? And so I said, absolutely, sure, let's do this. And it was a really fun interview. And I don't want to talk much about the movie because we're going to get all into it in the interview. But it is a Christian film. And it's more about what we do as pastors and preachers than probably any movie you've ever seen. I mean, it literally centered the lead character is a youth pastor in a church and his lead pastor is kind of gone off the rails and is really just relying on all these gimmicks and all these uh, just kind of trying to be outlandish to attract people to the church. The movie kind of centers around this conflict between the lead pastor and his craziness and the youth pastor who really wants the church to get back on the gospel. So there's a whole lot in this interview. We talk about Christian movie industry in general. We talk about the the content of the film, how there's this kind of struggle between uh, how much do we try to reach people versus how much do we just rely on the simplicity and the purity of the gospel? Are these two things in conflict with each other? There is a tension there. How do we resolve that tension? I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I do want to point out two things really quick. One, I don't know what was going on, but I had a massive echo on my audio and on the lead actors, uh, Thor Ramsey's audio. Christopher Sean Shaw, the director, his, he's fine. So you, it will sound like we're in a stadium, and I am sorry about that. I did everything I could to try to fix that in editing, but I, I didn't know. I, I couldn't fix it. So it is what it is, but I really think if you can get past that, it's going to be great. The second thing I want to talk about is that this movie is one that I really think you should see. So in the interview, we're going to talk about when you can see it, where you can see it, how you can see it. And if nothing else, I think it's just good to uh, be exposed to what is out there in terms of feature films that are in the, the Christian industry and specifically about church life. I think you would find it very, very interesting. So with all that, I don't want to give away too much. I want you to watch the interview or listen to it. So let's dive into the interview. Well, hey, today on the show, I've got some really, really fun guests. I've got Christopher Shaw and Thor Ramsey. Christopher, talk about what your role is in the church movie, the church people movie, and then we'll we'll talk about what Thor. Well, I have to interrupt here because it's Christopher Sean Shaw. Ah, crap. And and he doesn't begin any interview without me interrupting him. So just so you know, that's kind of how we work. You're going to ask him something. I will interrupt, answer for him, and then I'll let him say a sentence or two. Okay. Just, Maybe. That's, that's how we Maybe. work together. This is our relationship. This okay. So there's All some right, history there. So, so Christopher Sean Shaw, you directed the film. So can you talk about, you know, kind of what your, 
and and then Thor, I know you had a hand in. You're one of. You're listed on IMDb as one of the writers, correct? Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Started yeah, in 2008. So that's where it started. Okay. Well, why don't we start? Why don't we start there? Why don't we just start where it started, and then yeah. um, we'll roll it because it starts with him, and then I was, I believe, I was the second one on board. And See then... how you finagled uh, your way into this whole project. Okay. <laughs> um, so it was about 2008. I'll try to make this short. Uh, I was monitoring independent features, you know, because I'd written a few scripts and wanted to get them made. And uh, but I saw a film by John Favreau, who is, you know, your audience might be familiar with him. He wrote and directed the or the series The Mandalorian. Um, and of course, I'd have to fire him from that now. Uh, for his political views, but uh, he also, he was an actor, he was, uh, he's still an actor, he's in, he plays Happy in the Marvel Universe, he was Rudy's frumpy friend in the movie Rudy, um, but in 2008, he wrote and directed, I think it was his directorial debut, and he directed Elf, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Elf, so I, Will, Will Ferrell, of Will Ferrell fame. Yes, yes. So I love one of the best Favreau's sensibilities, and and the and the Marvel movies are really funny, uh, generally. And in two thousand eight, he wrote and directed a film called Swingers, which was about a guy whose girlfriend breaks up with him, and his four buddies are trying to help him get over it. And uh, but I like it was made for two hundred thousand dollars, and it made like four million dollars at the box office. And I like the tone of it, so I wanted to take the tone of that movie and do something in the evangelical subculture because I was very familiar with it. So uh, back when I had a career that I cared about, I had a meeting with Sony Affirm, which I, I think well, was- Sony, Sony Faith, the Faith Division of Sony at the time. Yes, so, but I go in there and I, I pitch, I had these two minute pitches down on two finished scripts that I had because at the time, I only had 30 pages of this movie, Church People, that was called Youth Group at the time about a youth pastor in crisis. So I went in there with these two minute pitches on my finished scripts and gave them these really good pitches, but they were, these these were screenplays, but they were just comedies for their general market. And they're like, did you prepare for this meeting at all? Cause we're like faith-based films. That's kind of what we're looking for. You know, Sony faith, we kind of went that angle. So I said, well, I got this idea about a youth pastor in crisis. And they're like, we want to see that. So I went, I said, give me a week. You know, I didn't tell them I hadn't finished it, but I said, give me a week. And I went home and I wrote the script, sent it off. And Josh Nadler, who's still there at Sony, um, really great guy, he called me up and gave me notes. And he did this five times. So he gave me notes over the phone on five rewrites. And at one point he said, what your story needs right now is, is a, you need a big idea to bring all the characters together. And so, I, you know, I had my antennas up for a big idea because you're like, what is that exactly? I'm not sure what the big idea I'm looking for is, but... I had a friend call me up who's a church planter uh, who planted a church about uh, probably 12 or 13 years ago now in Redlands, California. But he called me up and he goes, you're not going to believe this. This is him. This is me. So, you know, what's going on here? He says, you're not going to believe this, but a church on Good Friday is actually going to crucify a human being. I'm like, there's no way. He goes, yes, I'm looking at their, their social media campaign. I, there's no. So we investigated and it was false. But. He misinterpreted their ad campaign, but for just a moment, we both believed that an American evangelical church would actually crucify someone on a Good Friday to attract people to church. That's how crazy that the gimmicks had become for evangelical pastors to attract people to church, that for a second, we believed that would actually happen. And that's when I knew 
I had my big idea, and that was really the crux. That's always been the storyline of, of the 30-some revisions that the script went through. And so that's really how it began. And then I'll pick it up. Then I started looking for filmmakers, because again, I was just looking to make an independent feature, not this million, a multi-million dollar film that we did make. Yeah, well, I was just, I was like literally looking for fifty to $100,000 to make this film. So I just started looking for filmmakers. And, uh, and that's kind of how I connected with Christopher, who was stalking comedians online. So you can pick it up there, Christopher. So I just, I just gotten out of a, a, a very unhealthy ministry situation. I was living in a ministry house with a whole bunch of people. And so I moved in my bachelor pad. I'm married now, but I was a bachelor at the time. This was like 2009. And I'm watching... I feel like the Lord's changing my heart and doing something in me. And I feel like I need to laugh because I was of the mindset at that time that if I was going to do something faith-based, then it had to be heavy and meaty and there's got to be crying, you know, the stereotypical stuff you're going to see at Christian film festivals. And I was kind of in that mindset and I just, I came out of this unhealthy living situation. And I was just like, I need to laugh. So I had a subscription at uh, christiancinema.com. And back then they were shipping out DVDs similar to Netflix. And so one DVD at a time, I went to the comedy section and basically alphabetical order for the most part. And early in the alphabet was Bananas, which is a comedy show that Thor hosted. And I was familiar with Thor's comedy. I was sort of kind of a fan, you know, stars in my eyes because he's on TV. Um, and... Uh, and so I started devouring these uh, DVDs one at a time. I'm watching behind the scenes interviews that he's doing with the guests. And this is around the time I started getting engaged with um, Facebook. So I thought I'll connect with these comedians I'm seeing here and see if I can find them on Facebook. And you know, maybe some, you know, maybe someday some our, cross will, our, our paths will cross. And so um, I was making these quirky little Goldie the Goldfish videos with my pet Goldfish, Goldie. <laughs> Who's got a Facebook page? Single. He made these for a year, and that tells you where he was, uh, how lonely and desperate he was. For a year, he made videos of his goldfish, posted them online, and so I've never even heard them. of a goldfish was... making it a year. Because I, I knew that. Uh... I know it was the longest I'd ever had a goldfish. Because I had two goldfish in college, named Daryl and Daryl. For those of you who were know Newhart, yeah, you get it. And, and they lasted like, I don't know, a week or something. I mean, it was crazy, ridiculous how short they lasted. So yeah, Goldie lasted for almost a year, I think. And um, I did like 11 or 12 videos with her. And, um, and I'm not a marine biologist, so I don't know if Goldie was a male or female, but I just, I, I assumed she was female. So I, I, I say her, just so you know. So anyway, I'm making these quirky little videos and I'm sending them to comedians and I'm posting them and it it caught Thor's eye. Like the, the, the quality of the filmmaking caught his eye. And so he reached out and uh, very shortly after that, we worked on our very first of many short film collaborations called Skip Listening, which he now has a feature length script for that uh, we're hoping gets produced soon. But um, uh, so we worked on Skip Listening and that's when he told me while we were prepping to shoot that, uh, he told me about this script he had called Youth Group and at the time, he wanted to direct and star in it. But as we were working on Skip Listening, he changed his mind about directing and graciously uh, let me direct. And so that's originally how I got the gig. And then later in 2010, we did a proof of concept trailer, like a mock trailer to envision potential investors. Hey, this is what a 
the movie could look like if it was funded. And so we did this little trailer. It was online in late 2010. And for a couple of years, I was embarrassing to Thor. I was pitching it left and right on social media, Twitter, Facebook. I was posting it all the time. It, sometimes in spurts. Sometimes I wouldn't post it for a while, then I'd post it again. But it caught the attention of Stephen Baldwin. And Stephen Baldwin was instrumental in helping us land the funding. The funding. Well, see, the film got made because of Stephen Baldwin. We can say that. That's uh, that's unequivocal. That uh, the film wouldn't have gotten made without him. Uh, he called us. We had a phone meeting, and then that lasted a while, a good, I don't know, hour or two. And then we had a live meeting with him that lasted about three hours. And then after he he said to us that night, he goes, "I'm going to get this film funded." And then two and a half years later, it took him two and a half years. But he found the funding for it. So, and and Stephen's really the reason either of us are connected to the uh, because generally smart people who make a film. Not that Stephen's not smart, but when smart people make films, they generally find distribution before the films. Once they get funding, then they go find distribution, and then the distribution company will tell them, "Well, you need to have some stars in it, you know, for marketing and stuff like that." And then, Who's Thor and, so, and somebody Who's directing it who knows what they're director. doing and but Steven said you know because he he liked what the proof of concept trailer he liked the tone of it so he said let's keep what made that successful so that's the only reason I was in the film and that's the only reason Christopher got to direct it um, that's why Michael Monks is in the film too he was in the original proof of concept trailer um, so that's all because of Stephen Baldwin um, who got it funded. And, Basically. Yeah, so uh, it was actually three and a half years after that first in-person meeting with him and his producing partner that uh, we uh, were rolling cameras. So we actually shot this in mid-2016, and um, because it didn't have distribution and so forth, um, it's just now releasing here in 2021. Yeah. Wow, okay, so, so it's been a finished product for a few years now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. And what is the distribution? We'll get into the movie here in just a little bit because I watched it last night. I have a lot of questions that I want to dig into it for those who haven't been able to see it yet. But when does it release and how can people see it? It releases March 13th, 14th, and 15th via Fathom Events. And also, if you go to churchpeoplefilm.com, not only can you find theaters and showtimes, there's also a button there that says host a showing. So let your pastors know that they can actually request a screening uh, um, between March 13 and April 13. And then well, very, very soon, people... if you go to if you go to churchpeoplefilm.com, I'll let you talk in a moment, Thor. You hang on there, buddy. <laughs> if, you, if you go to churchpeoplefilm.com and scroll down the homepage, sign up for updates because there's going to be an announcement very, very soon as to alternate ways to see the film that they haven't announced yet. Yeah, because right now with the lockdown, it just depends on your, like we lost about 250 theaters when Regal closed down, but it depends on your state. Uh, I know that out here we found that it was gonna show at the AMC theaters uh, in Riverside, but I don't even know if they're open now. So it shows that it's showing there, but now it says they're, theater. so it depends on your state, but March 13th through 15th, if your movie theater's open, you can look and find out if it's playing near you. Uh, yeah, originally it wasn't playing in California at all. And we just found out it's playing in Napa because I'm in Northern California. He's in Southern California. It's playing in Napa, San Rafael and San Francisco. So we're planning on seeing it in Napa on, on the matinee on Sunday. I'm going to have to drive up there and see it there. Hey, dude, come on up. That'd be great. 
You better get your tickets though, just in case, because I already let a bunch of people know. Well, that's so that's really cool. I I found out about the, uh, the film because I the trailer was I got the trailer sent to me, watched it, knew nothing about you guys, but just saw hey this is a new Christian movie coming out. Did a video about it. I'll I'll put a link to it right up here and also in the description. Um, and then your PR people actually reached out and said hey would you like to to talk to these guys in person, which was a little bit embarrassing for me because I was just making fun of the trailer, um, but. That's what that's... You, were re- you were relatively polite. It was pretty tame. You, yeah. you, you were yeah. you were giving us you were trying to give us the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I I watched it, and I, here's a couple of uh, just immediate uh, things that I, I took some notes. One, the production quality is amazing. It is so much better than anything else out there in the world of Christian movies. Um, the opening sequence where, and I don't want to give too much away. So if, if I say too much about it, just let me know. Um, but the opening sequence where you have like uh, Thor, who's this this youth pastor, who's your name is Skip in the movie, right? Or Guy? Uh, my name is Guy. Skip is the super pastor. Yeah. So uh, uh, Guy is this is this kind of world class speaker traveling around but is reluctant to have that kind of attention, has a book, says, don't follow me. Um, and there's this opening sequence of, of you going from venue to venue. And then you've got this manager, the guy from Scrubs, who is just wanting you to be this outlandish, like, you know, over the top beach balls. And that, that sequence was really fun to watch. It was entertaining. It was well-produced and it was impressive. So, I had one question I had is how many beach balls did you guys have to blow up for those scenes? I think they ordered about 500 beach balls, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, yeah, that doesn't surprise and, me. And can I, give you, can I give you a fun little filmmaking uh, uh, insight? Yeah. yeah. We, we shot all that at the same place, just different lighting and, and different setup. It wow. was all done at Calvary Community Church. In West That's fantastic. Uh, in West I don't Georgia. actually know who blew up those uh, beach balls, though. Probably the art department. Probably uh, Karen Harper in the art department. Well, to to Karen Harper. <laughs> so, so uh, there was a, a couple of funny parts when uh, when you're signing. When you're signing. What's that? Well, a couple that stand out to me is at one point to make it a comedy. Though that's that's something. But we literally had to fight to keep it a comedy. Really? Really? Yes, yes. yes. Because, but well, it's like here's kids. It, it, it always works like I don't know if it always works like this, but here's how it works for us. You write a script, people read it, and they're like, "We've been looking for this. We want to do something really outside the box like this." And then, like, fun. Then money's involved. They're like, "We need to pull back and make more people cry because this is it's outside the box. We need to be." We need to get in the box, and uh, and that's really what happened. So we literally had to fight to keep it funny. Well, it definitely it definitely had an edge to it that you don't see very often in Christian movies. Like a lot of times, and this is really what I was saying in the in the trailer, and it was unfair to you guys because I hadn't seen the movie. But my bias there was from this place of I almost like when I watch the Christian movies that that have come out over the years, I appreciate what they're doing a lot but sometimes it's so on the nose and over the top that it's like no one exists like that in real life which in your movie there's only one character like that and his name's chad i want to ask about chad in a second um that was all steven's idea 
Yeah, yeah. I, that I didn't I didn't get that part, but you know he he paid for the movie, so we're not going to go too far on that. You don't bite the hand that feeds you. But the thing is, um, I really appreciated that you guys were willing to, like, it looked and felt like a quote unquote real movie, for lack of a better way of saying that. But there was there's a scene where Thor, you're signing you're signing books, and someone someone comes up and has a WWJD beach ball, and you're just Matthew you're just Reithmeyer. disgusted. What's that? Matthew Reitmeyer. Yeah, we're, we're going to give a big shout out to Matthew Reitmeyer, who was instrumental in getting and helping us produce the proof of concept trailer at Calvary Community Church because of his connection there. Am I saying his name wrong? I, I think it's it's either Reitmeyer or Reitmeyer. Okay, Reitmeyer is his name. Yeah. Clearly, he's well, been instrumental. It, yes, yeah, he I think been. He's very, very. He's a great but guy. Anyway, I want to give him a plug because. He has his directorial debut coming out. It's a drama based on a true story. It looks really good. Ryan O'Quinn stars in it. It's called Paul's Promise. Um, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, but if you go to the Facebook page, Paul's Promise Movie, the trailer's there. Really nice trailer. It looks it looks really good. So That's shout awesome. out to Matthew Reithmeyer, who also ad-libbed that line that you like. He so ad-libbed much. that line, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he, so, so that, okay, if it's the line I'm thinking of, we, my yes. wife and I both like, we laughed audibly. So you look at him and he hands you this beach ball and you're, you're just over it. You're so, your skip or guy is just so just oh, done with this whole thing. And he's like, can you sign my beach ball? And, and uh, you look at it, you're like, WWJ, is, is that still a thing? Um, and you're like, you know, it's what would Jesus do? What about what Jesus has done? And, he goes, well, I, I have Jesus in my heart. What I don't have is a beach ball signed by, with your name on it. Yeah. <laughs> he ad-libbed that line. That is, and that is one of my favorite lines in the movie, man. That is one I, of my favorite lines. I have Jesus in my heart. What I don't have is a beach ball with your name on it. Gosh, that's funny. Well, I don't think they put that in the trailer, did they? Uh, it was in one of the earlier versions of the trailer, but it's not in this trailer. It's not yeah, in Collide's so, trailer, no. Yeah, they did such a great job with the trailer. But anyway, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that was cool. So then it, you know, the, the movie kind of set, starts to set up the plot where you've got, you know, you uh, guy are, start to become more and more frustrated with the the machine that evangelicalism has become. So, can you talk about like, did that come from a a real place of frustration within you? Is this like a passion project um, that we're seeing played out? Well, I, well, here's how I begin any story whether it's a novel or a screenplay, it's, you got to begin with a story. You got to begin with a, an idea that you're excited about. And I like the idea that there would be, now it comes from experience within the evangelical subculture. And some of that plays into, yeah, there was a, a frustration that I felt with the, um, well, the gimmicky aspect of church life, some, the big show, let's make church a big show. Uh, smoke machines and every week is this is going to be the best series we've ever had and then the next four weeks this is going to be the best series we've ever had and then four weeks later this is going to be you know that's why the average evangelical changes churches every seven years you know it's like what you attract people with you have to keep them with and if you're keeping them with a big show eventually you hit your ceiling and the people might not verbally express it this way but it subconsciously they're just like feels the same i'm not growing but they're just not being entertained as much as they were before is what it is. But so there was that. But the idea that a, uh, a pastor who is about gimmicks 
would actually have a person crucified. I like, I was passionate about the idea. I thought it was a funny idea. And I felt like the idea could satirize uh, what I felt was an issue that needed to be talked about in the church. And so there were a couple serious books uh, that played their part in the development of the script. So I'll give those books a plug. One was by uh, <clears throat> a gentleman named David F. Wells, a book called The Courage to be Protestant. And in that book, he really talks about this whole evangelical subculture of attracting the attracting followers with gimmicks. Um, again, what you attract people with, you have to keep them with. And the other book was by Michael Horton called Christless Christianity, which is just about, you know, you can go to churches and it's like, they, they give you a series on how to have a better marriage and how to be a good parent and this and that and the other thing. It's like, they can give all kinds of pragmatic stuff and what they really fail to do is actually preach Jesus. Um, and so that becomes problematic within the church. So, but I think there's a, there's a, there's a third issue or maybe a, a secondary issue that the movie doesn't directly deal with, but it, it, it's in the subtext of everything. And that is the leadership model we have in the church now, which mirrors corporate America. And, uh, and some people would say the reason we're having so many, uh, church leadership failures in evangelicalism is because our the model of our leadership is CEO, corporate. And when you look at the corporate world, moral failures are part and parcel of that. But they're just looking for bottom line people. It's like he failed, but he's doing a great job. You know, he's getting the numbers and it attracts a certain type of personality. And so our leadership style in the church is mirroring that. And it's mirroring that same type of really kind of driven narcissistic personality that's all about the bottom line and about the numbers and you know biblically church leadership is about servanthood you know so there's a reason the average church in america is 50 people because one pastor can generally serve you know serve 50 people in a legitimate uh way and i think that's a secondary thing i'm not against big churches uh that's not what i'm saying what I, am against, what I am against is some of the big church methodology. And that's really what the, the, the as, as lighthearted as, and I, I, I'm excited that you said it's edgy because I don't feel like it's edgy at all. It might've been edgy in some of the original drafts, but it's not edgy at all anymore to me. It's very I mean, I, I could have used like one real cuss word that probably would have done it for me, but it, it is. It's ed, It's edgier than any other uh, Christian movie that I've seen to this okay. point. In comparison, okay. with the exception right. of maybe to save a life, because you had some pretty thematic things in that. But yeah, you know, other than that, like it, it, it is. It feels like a comedy that you would sit down and watch and and enjoy without, um, uh, without just cringing the whole time. Um, that's so. good to hear. That, that's that's a great compliment. They they screened it to some megachurch pastors. And what was funny is their reaction that they told us about after they screened it. And they're like, they felt a little bit, I want to say convicted because they felt like that's about us, but not in a good way. <laughs> We're doing, cause most of the things in like, you know, the tattoo thing, which is in the trailer. I, I know pastors who've done that. You yeah. know, it's like, if we reach certain numbers, well, I'll get the church, ta church logo tattooed on my arms. Like, I know, I know someone who's done that. Uh, so it's like most of this stuff in there, you know, the, the bikes jumping over the, you know, pasture. These things have been done 
my yeah. churches. Like the only thing that wasn't done is, well, they're they're done in other countries, crucifying people literally. But uh, um, so a lot of the stuff that we did in there, we took stuff that was that had happened in churches. We didn't have to make up, and we just satirized it. Yeah, it's it is a satire. But I tell people you can only satirize something you love. Uh, you know, we love Jesus, we love the church, so that's why it's lighthearted. And, uh, and it doesn't take the subject of the gospel lighthearted, but the, the film is lighthearted. But when you see a satire written by someone who doesn't love the subject, it comes across as mean. And I feel like the movie doesn't come across as mean. And, uh, right. and I think that's why. That's a great point. Uh, you, you, if, it, when you're satirizing something, when you're doing an, an impression, you really can't do an impression of someone that you don't like. It doesn't work. Um, yeah, it doesn't. Well, the reasons like how, to spend all that time trying to, you know, especially if you're talking about an impression of uh, a literal impression of somebody, it's like you got to spend a lot of time studying that person. Right. And yeah, you've got to love the subjects that you're satirizing if you're going to do it in an effective way, I think. So Christopher Sean Shaw, when, when you, when you heard, you know, kind of the heart behind this, read the script, did you resonate with the same idea that man, evangelicalism re relies too much on gimmicks? I mean, how did this hit you at a heart level? I think it, 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 uh, it took more time for me in that aspect. I was just thrilled that Thor Ramsey wanted to collaborate with me. So <laughs> I was, I was still kind of fanboying. And um, well, had my and message so, been about the, the the glories of the prosperity church, he'd have been right with me right now. So he'd have been. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Man. No, no. So um, so no, so no. The 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 actual it didn't resonate with me in the same way. But uh, but over time, I I, I definitely certainly appreciate uh, the uh, the heart behind it in 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 lightheartedly exposing things that uh, people, you know, get jumbled up about. And, and another thing that's important here too, is a lot of people have good intentions when they're doing the gimmicks. I mean, like, I think in, there's moments in the movie where you see pastor skip where he, he is about getting souls in the seats. He says he wants to get more souls in the seats, but his focus came off of the simplicity of the gospel. And it's all about Jesus and his focus was about the gimmicks because that's what's going to get him in the seats to hear about Jesus. But that sort of overtook him. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's like you no. Know, I will say this about the characters. I think Skip is he's he's hysterical, but he's a mixed bag. His motives are his motives are a mixed bag, and I think that's true of most of us most times. I mean, it's rare. It's on rare occasions that you can really have clarity of your motives. Sometimes there was a, there was a point in the filmmaking of, of, of this movie though where I really had clarity of motive though. Um, you know, we had, we were just about to, we, we didn't know if we were going to get funded yet or not. Um, this is before the film was funded, but I remember standing in the kitchen of my home and just saying to the Lord, it's like, you know, I don't want this movie to get made unless it glorifies you. Because at that point, again, I did not have, uh, I didn't have aspirations. you know, I was older now. I'm older. I'm an older person now. So my aspirations for this career, uh, were just like, it just, it just wasn't my, my, mo my main goal in life he's a full-time pastor you know to to, to be a a, a full-time comedian or a, a movie star or anything like that um so yeah i became a church planter so though i'm still you know i i'm still a, a passionate about the arts though so i still keep yeah. my foot in everything yeah he's he still has a, a bunch of uh scripts and uh 
we're hoping to collaborate on them. I do want to clarify one thing. Um, uh, technically, Stephen Baldwin did not fund the film, but he did find the funding for the film. Yeah, and his yeah, producing miss, partner miss, landed yeah. Uh, uh, the funding, and uh, our, our funder is actually Mike Lindell. Michael. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he funded the whole thing. No the one's no one's been talking about him lately. I don't even know that name. I mean, um, blankets or something. Well, that's that's cool though. That's cool that he did that. Hey, I have a few more observations, and then I have a couple of questions that I want to hear what you guys think about this. For one thing, I, I okay. So part of what made the, the movie entertaining was you had these characters like Blaze, who was a student in the youth group who was just like this really excited new convert, this new believer who's just so jazzed up about everything. Um, was he somebody that you, all along when you're making this script, you have these characters in mind that kind of keep the pizzazz of the movie or was there something deeper to him or was it just for fun? Uh, well, at one point in one version of the script, there were subplots with multiple youth. You know, back when it was called Youth Group, um, you know, it was about the youth pastor and dealing with the, the youth and on all those subplots culminated at the cross at the end there. Um, so Blaze was always one of those characters, but I liked Blaze because I thought he was a funny character. He was just kind of a composite of the overzealous convert that you don't see a lot anymore, really. You don't, you don't see lots of overzealous. He's almost like a throwback to the Jesus movement converts, you know. Uh, just overly enthusiastic, but um, yeah, he wasn't. Now his name came from an actual kid that I knew from a a, a church. I wasn't the youth pastor at the church, but a kid that got converted, and I, I thought his name was so cool because he was named after Blaze Pascal, you know. So I thought, what a cool name! So I just, you know, in life you just snag things you think are cool, but um, yeah, we just thought he was a fun character, and you know, that's some of it. You just what you can say through the character. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay. okay. So, so when I did the trailer reaction, okay, there was people that had commented. I know Christopher Sean Shaw, the director of the film was, was in the, you don't have to section. say all three names every time you address me. <laughs> I'm just trying to make up for it. So Christopher was in there in the comment section and there was a few people who kind of took this um, approach of they, they shouldn't, they shouldn't go there with the resurrection that this is irreverent it is uh it, it's it's sacrilegious so i mean i've seen the film uh but i want to ask you know if you, if you were talking to someone who hasn't seen it yet what would you what would you say to that criticism well again it's you know if you know the main rule of interpretation it's context 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 so you can't really criticize a film for being irreverent or sacrilegious unless you've actually seen the film uh, that's first of all, and it's the point the film is trying to make is, you know, the point the film is trying to make is what they're doing does diminish the gospel because it's taking away from the gospel. Now, their motives, now, it's the things like, but we're dealing with what's an aspect of what's actually happening in the wider American evangelical church. So we're dealing with a serious issue. We just have to be dealing with it for, from a comedic standpoint. Um, but I mean, I think that's uh, a valid way to deal with things. So. Yeah, I, I wonder, I sincerely wonder, I'm sorry, I just thought of this. I sincerely wonder if some of those same people, because those people are on the Facebook page too. There's there's a number of comments where like, you know, they're calling it blasphemy. They're saying thou shalt not get tattoos and there's all that stuff. It's, 
I'm like, did you make it past the first couple clips of the trailer? But um, but uh, but I'm wondering if those same people would have the exact same issue if this was a drama, and the trailer was dramatic and it wasn't a satire. I just I just I wonder if it was a dramatic story about a senior pastor wanting to do this, and the point of the film is that yeah, this isn't right, so this has to be addressed. I, I just well, wonder if the, if the reaction would be the same. Sense, I mean, in, in and this was a bad move as, as my uh, on my part as a comedian. It's like I played the lead, which the lead character in a comedy is the straight guy. You know, you're not you don't get as many funny lines. You're the voice of reason generally. So my character is the voice of reason, calling what's happening crazy. So I mean, anyway, I, I yeah, I, I think, but you know, again, Christians come from all different perspectives in terms of even, and I'm talking about Christians that actually believe the Bible. People who believe the Bible, right? They still have an aspect. So if you're hyper fundamentalist, again, I think if you see the scene where he's getting a tattoo and you're like, the Bible says you shouldn't get a tattoo. Like, yeah, you're like missing the point. Yeah, you, you can't fight that mentality because you're hyper fundamentalist, and I and I think that is just a mentality that's hard to. Most people in your church probably don't please you if you're a hyper fundamentalist. I mean, who are you pleased with if you're a hyper fundamentalist? Nobody. So no, there's no surprise that our film's not going to please you. Yeah. But um, you know. Well, and and also, I mean, I I think that uh, when it comes to the YouTube comment section or Facebook comment section, that there's you know people are out for blood. But I, I think like what I liked about it, and you, you mentioned that it wasn't edgy. I think that kind of stuff is the edginess. It's that you were willing to go there. And honestly, you put it in the trailer without wrapping up the bow, which I really loved. I mean, there's nothing in the trailer that shows where it ends. And I think uh, some people can't live in that tension. They're not, they're not willing to let tension sit there and realize that it may get resolved in the movie or it may displease me, but I'm going to make a judgment right now anyway, because I, you know, I, I just want to, I want to hate on it. To be honest, Christians have a hard time with satire Mm -hmm. because in satire, you're saying the exact opposite of what you mean. Right. Christians, we're people of the truth. Speak, be blunt, be forthright. Yeah. And so we're used to, that's why our, that's why so much of our filmmaking is on the nose. Everything is, you got to say exactly what you mean. Instead of doing it in a, in a, well, the way that, uh, but I, I still felt like we were on the nose. You know, I think, again, Christian filmmaking is a genre. Right. Not just filmmaking. It's Christian, it, it's faith based filmmaking. It's a genre. And in any genre, there are unspoken agreements with the audience that you have to hit these points. And I believe we hit those points that any Christian is going to want in a Christian film. Now, I defend the Christian genre of film now. You know, a few years ago, I was a naysayer, to be honest, because I had a hard time with a lot of the Christian films. But, you know, people would criticize Christian films. You guys make a lot of bad films. Like, well, we do. But you know what? The secular market makes more bad films than we do. They make more bad films. You know why? There's more of them. Do they make more good films? Yes. You know why? There's more of them. There's fewer of us. So we make a few good films and some bad films, but not as many as the secular market. So there's a reason this market exists. And that's why I disagree with Christian film. Again, start with a story, but I disagree with Christian filmmakers who just want to make films with Christian values in them. Uh, again, you can talk about, we can talk about different Christian films that missed the mark and we can name them. And I can say why they, was, why they missed the mark 
And I'll use one example. It was a really good film, but it missed the mark in the Christian market. And that was the shark film. I always forget the name. Sharknado? Uh, no, the, the film with the, she's holding the shark board, the surfboard and the shark. Oh, oh, Soul Surfer. Soul Surfer. Yeah. Soul Surfer almost made it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about box office sales, production values, actors, all that. Really yeah, well done. But you can tell they pulled back. Yeah. They pulled back. And in a Christian film, you cannot pull back. And, and, and I think that's one of the things. Christians want films that represent their worldview and them. Because in the secular market, you know, they don't need films that represent them because all films represent them. In one sense, they don't need specific films. They can like any film for any reason. That's why I disagree with Christian filmmakers who want to make films for a broader audience. And I get that. You want to be accepted by Hollywood, rah, rah. But again, this is my opinion. Right now, the way culture stands, if you're an outspoken Christian, there is not a place for you in Hollywood. There is just not. You, that's why there's a genre of Christian filmmaking now. That's my opinion. If you want to disagree with me, you know, people out there, you can disagree with me. But I think to be an outspoken Christian, unless you're going in as a missionary and you're going in stealth for missionary reasons, that's another story. But if you just want to be an outspoken Christian, well, you're going to have to shut up if you live in Hollywood and you want to be a part of the the general Hollywood filmmaking market. If you're, unless you're on the back end, I will say that, unless you're on the back end, back behind the scenes. But if you're, you know, an actor, screenwriter, director, something like that, you've got to buy into the narrative. Or you're not going to work. Yeah. You, do you agree, Christopher? Shantra? <laughs> I just I like, like the dramatic pause. Do you agree, Christopher? Shantra? <laughs> Um, I, I, I tend to agree for the most part. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I do believe um, that uh, culture is in such a way right now that it's very, very important for um, overtly faith-based film to be there. Um, but I think it boils down to the other thing that Thor said was about story and script. Is it a good story? Is it a compelling story? Is it written well? Because you can have an overtly faith-based film that's still well written. It it happens. People do it. You you yeah. can do it, and without having to pull back. So we're getting better. I think we're get. I think you know it's it's a new it's a new genre and it's growing. You know, I think the same way that stand up comedy in the Christian market grew. You know, back in the day when there was only you're probably too young to remember there was only Mike Warnke, you know, who was really just a storyteller, and then there was Mark Lowry who was also really a storyteller, though they did stand up. And then there was Shonda Pierce. So, and it was really only really one person would dominate that genre, which still had its roots kind of in uh, that uh, kind of the Gaither vocal band genre of the Christian subculture. Yeah. So, and then back in the, well, probably back in the, I don't even know what, you know, maybe the mid nineties, you had this, explosion of christian comedy and so christian comedy really developed and it's really become more sophisticated than it was 20 years ago uh, and i think christian films doing that same thing now yeah yeah i agree one of the things that you guys did differently that i i really liked and i hope to see more of this in christian films is your um your presentation so to speak of the gospel was woven throughout the movie 
and it wasn't a uh, you know two characters are talking to each other, one struggling, the other says the answer is Jesus, accept him into your heart, and they pray, right? And let's that, pray the sinner's prayer right now. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm kind of reminded of the the Kirk Cameron film um, uh, Firehose or Fire Firehouse Fireproof, where it, which was which was great, a lot of great, a <laughs> lot of great like themes in that movie. But there's a scene where uh, he's walking around some courtyard outside of his house and then his father-in-law comes out there the father-in-law's wearing a sweater it's like a 21st century jesus you know he's just kind of floating around and and kirk cameron struggling and and he uh basically tells him you know i i i don't there was there was just an essence of it that felt like no one actually has these conversations or lives this kind of like this is such a weird thing Go ahead. This is because our philosophy of filmmaking, at least mine, and I'm assuming it's Christopher since we work together so often, but again, even in a Christian film with hitting all the right genre marks of a Christian film, now the one that we probably never intentionally hit is make sure the gospel's in there. Because my whole thing is God has determined a means to deliver the gospel to humanity and it hasn't changed and it's not film folks uh, i don't know if that's going to be news to you but film is not the main medium that god has designed to deliver the message of his son it's preaching and preaching is always going to be that whether whether it's one-on-one -on -one through the word or through a sunday service preaching is the means that god uses to deliver the message of his son and there you go woo woo so in a film so now we dealt with the christian subculture but we never said Hey, let's make sure we get the gospel in there. Let's make sure we give all the, it just happened to be dealing with the subculture. The gospel was part of the subject matter, but we never intentionally went, we got to get this message in there. Even the, even the final scene only worked because it was really dealing with the storyline. Right. And that's why I feel it worked in a way that it just generally, it feels like, okay, here's the message of the person who's, you know, it's the four spiritual laws put into the script as dialogue. And go, it doesn't work because it's forced in. Right. And if you, when it, again, this is my opinion as a, a filmmaker, but if you say we have to have the gospel in that we, if you're making the film for the message, you're making the wrong film. That's yeah. my opinion. Well, he, and, and there was a place where where you 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 kind of did it in a meta way. You're speaking to your youth group, and you talk about First John three sixteen, and in that you lay out the gospel. But it didn't feel forced. It was a natural part of what you were teaching, and it connected to the story. I mean, the story just happened to be about the purity of the gospel. It, it was about, and it fit with. That's the whole thing. It fit with the story. It wasn't forced in, and. Uh, yeah, it was really revealing, and even in that, we felt like that's just a re that's a reveal of that care of that character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have one one last question about the the kind of message of the film, and then I want to just give a quick quick reminder of how people can see it, and then also how they can get in touch with you guys. So um, there's this kind of tension that I felt, and my wife and I talked about this after the movie of like there's a really uh popular massive church in the u.s uh, that is known for having this kind of tagline that they're willing to do anything short of sin to reach people who are far from jesus that's that's one side and then on the other side the kind of message of the movie which i think a lot of pastors listening would would resonate with which is listen no more gimmicks the gospel is enough let's let the the 
the purity of the gospel shine through. So where do you see how those things could be in intention, but also could they work together? Like, is there a way to kind of have this attitude, but also marry it with this? Yeah, I think the word is strategy. I'm not against strategies to reach the gospel because I think that's what they're saying. We'll adopt any strategy that we can that's not sinful to reach people with the gospel. You know, I don't necessarily, it, it depends. I go, it sounds a little markety to me. You know, I'm going, I think that's the whole thing for me is like the too much of the church has been market driven. It's a marketing driven church and a marketing driven church is branding. branding. And you, you find in church life, what do you battle? You battle the consumeristic mindset of the average congregant. And they, you battle that mindset because it's built into the structure of the church that is driven by marketing. And, uh, and I would, and I don't know what that church is. I can't think I've heard that. I could probably just research real briefly online and find out what church that is. But, um, and there's, again, every church has their, even churches like that probably have a lot of good things they're offering. Uh, but again, what I'm not against, I'm not against strategy. I'm just saying we don't, the, the point of the movie is you don't have to add to the gospel to make it effective. And the whole idea that you have to, and, and this is why I think that the teaching of the gospels are timeless. Or the teaching of the Bible is timeless. Uh, if you go back and listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones, who I'll give a plug to, who's dead now. even. Doctor. But uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, you know, you can still find all his messages online. The Martin Lloyd, MLJ Trust. If you've never heard Martin Lloyd-Jones, you need to look into him, you know, hipster pastor. But Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust. Uh, but his sermons come from like, I didn't mean you, I just meant the guys. He's not preaching anymore, so I was talking to him. But anyway, um, uh, but you can listen to a sermon from him from like the 1950s to the 1960s. And he'll be talking about how people now are saying, this is 1950 or 60. We really have to change our style of communication to reach this new generation. I get emails all the time from church consultants saying, Man, how are we going to reach Generation Z? How are we going to reach the millennials? We got to change our tactics and how we're going to, we have to change our communication style. And I go, that's, I think that's the faulty thinking. We don't, you're talking about the most relevant truths to any human being on the face of the earth. If you can't make that interesting, then find another profession, but you're talking about the most relevant truths ever. It's always relevant. So you don't have to make it relevant. It just is relevant. Yeah, right. Now, and the power strategies on how to get people and communicate. And that's great. Find strategies, do strategies, but you don't have to add whistles and bells to the gospel to make it interesting. That's the point of the movie. Yeah, yeah because God's power, it's God's breathed word. It's it's it, in the word inspired in the original language means God breathed. God breathed the words of the Bible. So the, the power is already there. There you go. What's that? The gospel is the power of God, Paul says, for salvation to all who believe. So Yeah, the power is already there. You don't have to add BMX, to that power. BMX bikes jumping up over your head during a service is not, is not anything other than showy. Yeah. You know, Thor, I think you need stronger opinions. I, I, don't, I don't think you've really solidified what you think about The reason about our stuff. church is only 50 people, probably. So, <laughs> hey guys, this has been really great. I, I really appreciate you guys coming on. And again, it's churchpeoplefilm.com. Yes. And it's March 13, 14, and 15 that people can see it and they can register there on churchpeoplefilm.com. You're also on the socials, correct? Yes. We're on Instagram as uh, at churchpeople. 
Uh, Twitter is uh, at Church PPL Movie, and Facebook is Church People Movie. Cool. And uh, the trailer on the Facebook page broke 1.2 million views yesterday at the taping of this interview. So um, we're hoping, I'm hoping that it gets over uh, 2 million by the time this Saturday rolls around. So more eyeballs are on it. So if you really want to help spread the word, you might not be somebody who can fund a film, but you can share. And if you genuinely like the film, you can do like what? Hey, hey. this is watching my pa pastors are, are making films. Churches are making films now. What are you talking about? Christopher, they can't fund a film. If they want to. They church wants to do a film. They can call us, and we'll we'll do a film. Yeah, there's well, that. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, a lot. There were two big struggles on on our on in making this movie because this is over ten years in the making, and that was landing the funding, which took several years, and landing the dis distribution. So a lot of one of the I I like to call it the filmmakers F word funding. It is. It's the filmmakers F word funding. And so you may not be able to fund a film, but you can share the ones that you like so that more films like that can get made yeah. because the people who can fund a film Great, see yeah. that there's a need for it, a want for it, and an audience for it, and they'll be more likely to fund a film. That's a great point. Oh, yes, thank you so Christopher. much, Thor. I appreciate that. And you the, didn't say Sean Shaw, however. The, lo the love between you guys is just inspirational. We're like um, brothers. He's like but, my older brother that I never had. And, and But like yes, there is that church in Georgia that has funded, that has made 95% of the Christian films in the last 10 years and the same star in each one of them. So, uh, well, it's been awesome to have you guys. And I want to encourage everybody to watch the film check it out for yourself, share it with your church. I think it's going to, it's going to speak to you. It's going to move you. You're going to laugh. You're going to be entertained. And, uh, we definitely you might even cry. We we've gotten some, I, I did a radio interview early this morning, uh, moody radio and, uh, Kelly Thompson. She was like, I laughed. I cried. I mean, like it was, that's what you yeah. want in a film right there. You laugh yeah. and, cry, and then what, what more can you do at that, at that point? Yeah, and I reserve. People, and some people are leaving it. Absolutely. Some people are leaving it like you know they, they feel better for it. You know, it's not just oh I had some laughs and now I'm on. No, there's actually some introspection, and they're thinking about their life and 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 they're thinking about how they perceive the gospel message. Yeah, yeah. We That's accidentally awesome. made a conversation movie. Maybe who knows? I don't know. Well, I didn't cry. I reserved my tears for bachelor finales, but I did laugh. I did feel something. <laughs> And, uh, and, and for those, you know, there is not a more, there's not a more relevant movie for pastors that probably has ever been made. I mean, this is about the work we do. So if you're listening and you're a pastor, which most of you are definitely check out the film very much worth watching Thor Ramsey, Christopher, Sean Shaw. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it guys. God bless you and your audience. Thank you so much. Well, big thanks to Christopher Sean Shaw and Thor Ramsey for coming on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed that. Definitely go to churchpeoplefilm.com to check out all that they're doing with that movie. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, one of those, definitely go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Five stars is preferable. <laughs> if you're watching here on YouTube, let me know in the comments what you thought about today's episode, what you think about this movie. Are you going to watch it? Are you not going to watch it? And I will see you in the next episode. Until then, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast.